I'll tell you. You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. One day and night must scramble for a living, feed a wife and children, send his daily press. And I guess it will spend our time talking to the learning side and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktory.gmail.com. And of course, I will answer as many as I can. Or you can go to letstalktory.net, our webpage, our amazing webpage. Check out the archives. Check out the shows you've missed. Leave a question. Leave a comment. And of course, that all-important donate button. If you can do us a favor and hit that donate button, help the show different levels and we can continue to grow and have our shows and take care of the cost of the studio and let people find out about the show. It would be really, really amazing and appreciated. So, again, I do thank you in advance. So, you know, I'm a fundraiser. We've talked about it in the past. I'm also a teacher. I keep pretty busy. But I asked one of our... Um, I'm a consultant. He's really more than more than a consultant. He's really a good friend of ours. And I said, you know, all the emergency campaigns are going on, and people have been giving to the emergency campaigns, and the hundreds of millions of dollars that have been raised um, is unbelievable and sent to Israel to help, whether it's people who had to be relocated, um, people who need some medical help, or or the soldiers, and just all the 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 amazing giving but the organizations that exist those that's like an emergency campaign but what do you do when you talk to somebody and they say well you know i just gave to the emergency campaign i just took care of over here and but you help us every year and we we need your continued help so we can survive right emergency campaign is supposed to be extra so how do you have the conversation so he told me a fascinating article. There's a Deborah Lipstadt. She is some type of ambassador for world anti-Semitism. I'm sure she's quite busy now. But she writes once in a while on op-eds for the New York Times. And she says, after all the emergency funds have been sent, everyone should remember that the best way to fight anti-Semitism is to be an educated Jew. And if you're an educated Jew, that leads to being a proud Jew. And it's amazing. I mean, the thought is true, the concept is true, and when I tell this over to people, they hear it. I was talking to someone right before I came to the show. And we speak usually once a year. He's an older fellow, nice person, always helps us out. Um... He actually, it's amazing. You never know when you help somebody out, when you do something for someone, how much they appreciate it. You just do because you want to be helpful. So when he was sitting Shiva after, I think his mother passed away. So I went to visit. 
And even though he was a well-known person, for whatever reason, it seems people were not visiting. He was lonely. So he spent a lot of time, uh, I don't think I'll ever forget, he has beautiful white carpets all over the house. And I'm trying to imagine, like, my children coming into that house, or even me, like, you're afraid to walk around. Um, and we had a good conversation, and, you know, and years later, I call him every year, we talk. He says, Rabbi, you know why I keep giving you? Because you came to visit me. I said, well, wow, thank you so much. And so we schmoozed today, and he told me that, you know, anti-Semitism has always been a thing of his. He always looks at himself as a proud Jew. And I said, Bob, I said, you know, the best way to be a proud Jew is to be an educated Jew. And he says, yes, Rabbi, that's true. And that's just like the perfect advertisement for your organization to make fundraising quite simple. Now, I'm not going to say it makes fundraising simple, but it just gives a, 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 an, an attitude, a mindset uh, how and why I can keep going, even though people have been giving so much to Israel, but we can help them give over here as well. And sometimes people just need to to refocus and rehear why why everything is important, and giving to Israel is important, and taking care of uh, organizations that you support in America, anywhere else, are also important. So just a very good, beautiful thought. Talking about proud Jew, that leads us right into this week's Torah portion. Uh, Isaac has survived the arcade of the binding of Isaac. That was last week's Torah portion. I would say survived. He was brought up, and God said, "Don't slaughter him." Great. So now he comes home. So Abraham says, "I got to get my son. I got to get him married. He's thirty-seven years old already. What's he waiting for?" So it is, it is interesting that Abraham, the first thing he basically gets involved in, he has to bury his wife. We're going to talk about that more in the next show. And he goes full force into getting involved in his son's marriage. And that's, I think, what I want us to focus on during this show, the idea that it is important for parents to be involved when their children get married. Of course, love is everything and very important and very beautiful and, and necessary, all important. But there's got to be more to marriage than just that. And let's, we're gonna, let's work through the process. So the first problem is Isaac can't go look for a wife on his own because he can't leave the land of Israel. And the people living in Israel, Abraham said, these are not the kind of people for my son. My son needs someone for my family. They were very into family. So my son must marry someone from family. So you see right away, the father is, I know some people look at it, uh, who, who do my parents think they are? Who are they to dictate to me? Who's good for me? Who I should marry? Of course the children have to be involved in the process, and of course at the end of the day they're the ones that are going to be the final decision. But it is important the parents, you know your child, you know what's good for him, you know what's healthy for him, um, and we're, okay, well, well, let's get there, let's, let's take it slow. So he has to tell Eliezer, his servant, 
to go look for a wife because Isaac was brought up in last week's Torah portion as a sacrifice, and therefore Isaac has a certain type of holiness, and he doesn't leave the land of Israel. Abraham, of course, goes down to Egypt, came from that Iraq, that Haran area. Jacob, of course, is going to go back to Haran. He's going to go down to Egypt. Isaac is the only one of the three, only one of the four, the, the, the three forefathers, I know it sounds forefathers, but you know it means before, not not the number four, right? But Isaac is the only one that never leaves the end of Israel. He almost leaves. He starts heading towards Egypt, and God says, nothing doing, you're staying right here, and God takes care of him. That's, um, that's really next week's story portion. So Abram calls in his trusted servant, Eliezer. The Talmud says this Eliezer, studied Torah under Abraham. He was not just a regular slave. He was a a scholar. He went to war with Abraham. He was more than just a slave when you think of the concept of a slave. And this Eliezer had a daughter. It's obviously not, not just a regular slave because a regular slave would never imagine that his master's son would marry the slave's daughter. So obviously it's not, it's not the way we imagine the, a slave-master relationship. Okay, so however that relationship was, so Abraham tells Abraham tells Eliezer, his servant, I need you to go to my family and get a wife for my son. That's pretty much the instructions. Eliezer himself has a daughter, and he asks Abraham, what about my daughter? And Abraham says, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. You're a great guy. Your daughter's a great girl. But in, in families, in certain spiritual um, concepts, um, it's not a good fit. The Talmud explains that, that Noah blessed Shem and Yefes, two out of his three sons, and he cursed Ham, the third son. He said the combination of a blessed and a curse is not going to work. It's not going to work. Now, without getting too deep as a thought, um, that may have been true before the Torah was given. Once the Torah is given, you have a different concept. Once somebody converts, he gets a new soul, so it's a totally different situation. So we're not talking modern. We're talking about in those days, there was no real concept of conversion, so you really had their families. But what does it mean it's not a good combination? What's the problem? If they like each other, they're good people, who cares? So this concept of the blessed and cursed, is not a problem so much for Isaac and his wife as much as it's a problem for the children. As the children will be affected in this marriage. So again, and this is something that's important, and that's what parents are for, that it's marriage, love is beautiful. Love is definitely important. But the focus... These, this couple's getting married. We hope they have children. We want them to have children. We want them to raise good children. That's what God wanted. God says to be fruitful, multiply. Right? The idea is we came to a world that was filled with people, and we are going to continue filling it with people. That's what God wants. He, one of the first commandments is to be fruitful right, and multiply. So, the, so part of marriage is making sure that we have a good a good connection here for healthy children. Parents have the ability to see that. 
Children, not so much. Even if the children are 25 years old or 30 years old, the idea of what will, what will happen to my children if there's certain health issues and certain uh, genetic issues, children don't think about it. Parents think about it. That's their job. So, again, that's you see Abraham already setting the tone to explain to people when children get married, they do have to look at what's happening with the children. Will this be a good combination? Okay. So, and think it, I saw before one step further. Um, everybody knows, I don't know if everybody knows, if you're older, you know, the, the idea of a matchmaker. And uh, over the years in different uh, books and stuff, the matchmakers were made fun of, and it's true. But the concept of a matchmaker is very important. Why? Because we need somebody here that's older, wiser, understands who these children are, who these people are, even adults, right? Does it make sense that these people should get married? Is there a good fit? I was like, yeah, you go out and... We're always on our best behavior, and and we have good manners, and all those beautiful things. All true. But if somebody knows the the couple, knows this the this boy and girl that are dating, and says makes sense, doesn't make sense, worth pursuing, not worth pursuing. I have no idea all the apps that they officially have to to. Um, take care of people getting married because who do you trust, right? The guy who wrote up that he's a superstar, that he's a millionaire, I don't know. The girl who writes up her uh, her, her measurements, like who, what? I mean, it's a nice idea if you assume that everybody's being truthful. That's why the idea of a matchmaker was and is someone who has everyone's best interest at heart. That's the idea. And do they get paid? Of course they get paid. Why shouldn't they get paid? They actually only get paid when they're successful. But there could be hundreds, not always hundreds of hours, but many, many hours of talking and conversations and phone calls and research and make sense and doesn't make sense and background and stuff. So here you have people that are looking to figure out who these children are and does it make sense? I know I keep calling them children because, you know, I'm a little older. So I call my married kids that have my grandchildren, I call them children. So I don't think it's such a big deal. But in any case, so Eliezer goes to Haran and he has a lot of Avram's wealth with him. He has 10 camels laden with delicacies and, and gold and silver because the girl is going to have to come back with him. He can't bring Isaac to Haran. He's going to Haran, finding the girl, and bringing her back. So you show the family there's a lot of wealth here, so the girl won't be afraid to go back. So we've talked about it in the past. Certainly in this Torah portion, it's pretty famous. Um, Eliezer makes this um, condition with God. He says, God... Here I am by the water. The girls are going to come out to the water to bring water home for their families. The girl that offers me water to drink and gives me to drink and then gives my animals to drink, she's the girl. So what's the big deal? What's she's the girl? Like, 
well, why is she the girl? Because she is kind. She's kind. She understands kindness. We've explained in the past, it's kindness um, with intelligence. Right? You're giving a stranger to drink from your pitcher. And what are you going to do now with the water? You're going to take it home, especially nowadays, right? Germs. You'll spill it on the floor and embarrass them. So the only way to take care of it is you're going to offer to feed his camels. But it's going to be a lot of work to feed the camels. But no problem. Because you want to show kindness. Very good. So Eliezer is looking for a girl who is kind. He's not concerned if she worships idols. Abraham will be able to take care of uh, her idol worship issues. So Eliezer sees the, the water coming up to the girl. Uh, miraculously, the water's coming up to the top of the well. He runs, he asks her to drink, and she offers him and his camels, and he says, okay, she must be the girl, and, and, and he uh, then gives her jewelry, and then he says, okay, who are you, and is there a place for us to sleep? And she says, I'm the daughter of Besuel, so he sees it's Abraham's family, and we have a place to sleep, and Eliezer will go, and he'll talk to the family. But now I want to back up a drop. Abraham told Eliezer, you're going to get a girl for my son from my family. So you can make all the great conditions in the world you want, but, but it's got to be family. Like, what's Eliezer doing? So you want to say Eliezer had to make sure that she was kind, that God would take care of the whole thing, and he chose miraculous. But really, really, what Eliezer should have done is he should have gone to Abraham's family, knocked on the door, and said, I am the servant of Abraham. Um, he's looking for a wife from his family for a son. We are multimillionaires. Um, let's sit and talk. That really would make the most sense. So wh why didn't he do it that way? So I saw a brilliant thought. I actually said it over. I had a, uh, was a party for a friend's uh, daughter who recently got married. We had what's called Shevabrachis. So I said this over. And the answer was afraid. If I just show up at their door, they don't know me. They have nothing to do with me. They never heard of me. Maybe they know about Abraham from years ago. They're going to slam the door in my face. They have no reason to listen to me that I should take their daughter back for Isaac. No reason. But if I can show them all these miracles that took place, I said, look, I came to the well. I made this condition with God. And your daughter came out and she fulfilled the condition. So you see, God set up the whole thing, and, and then afterwards I said, who are you? And she said, she's your daughter, and it's family. You can see the whole thing. We, the phrase that Love and Bissuel use is, me Hashem Yotzah Hadover. It's all from God. Once you could say that, it's way harder for the family to refuse. Now, it is brought down that he did actually attempt. They did actually attempt to refuse, but they weren't successful. They weren't successful. So um, just as a, a, a thought, um, what may, you know, it's about marriage over here. So what makes a good marriage? So Valerio Lapian says like this. He asks the following question. He says, how long is the groom a king? How long is the, is the husband a king? The answer is, as long as he treats his wife like a queen. Talk about it. Anyways, the music is playing. Hope you enjoyed it. Short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to all the wonderful sponsors. Listen, you know, I can't do it without you. Thank you, all the production team. I have Alan in the back today. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time. 
I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it. There's a house we can build Every room inside is filled With things from far away Special